Last week I put this quote up on the screen. Zane, why don't you go ahead and put that quote up on the screen that says, God refuses to be God without us. God refused to be God without us. And in another way that I would put that would be, uh, God desires to be God with us, to walk in relationship with us. This was a quote that somebody said towards the end of their life. They were asked, can you summarize the gospel in seven words? And that was the phrase that they used to summarize the gospel in seven words, that God refuses to be God without us, that he wants to do life with us. And as I think about that, that, that God, um, it's Jesus, His name, Emmanuel, God with us, just demonstrates His heart. That over and over again, God has pursued His people to be with His people. He even created the garden, I would argue, to, to be a place, because God existed before time, but the garden to be a place where He dwelled with His people. God longs to do life with His people, that He longs to have um, those times And I shared a few last week, uh, those times where it just seems like heaven and earth are coming so close together, that we have those those thin spaces, those thin places in life where the the supernatural and the natural are just so connected with one another. One of those times uh, happened this week, and uh, Dan just referenced it on Thursday night, as a group of men went to the Gateway Mission to share testimonies, to lead in a time of worship. And I got a picture of the, the three that were there to, uh, who shared their testimonies. Zane, you can put that, that picture up there. Uh, but here was Nick sharing uh, how the Lord has, has led him in his life um, and how the Lord has brought him life and just how the Lord has healed his heart. And John started off by sharing out of John 10, and then Christopher shared his testimony. And at the end of the night, a man walked up to me whose name was Tim, and he came up to me and he shared that he had just gotten out of spending over 20 years in prison. And he was wrestling with things and he looked at me and he goes, there's something different about you guys. And I'm like, yeah, you should really get to know these guys. They are, they are different. That's, that's a good way of putting it. They are different. But he was saying, there's something unique. There's something peculiar about you guys. He goes, it's Jesus. And our heart uh, that night was, was not to do things perfectly, not to have like this, this slick thing that we put together, but just to present the hope that we have found in Jesus. And John and Nick and Christopher did such an amazing job of doing that, that, that this man could look at these guys and say, they are unschooled, they're ordinary people, but there's something different about them. They have been with Jesus. And I love that. It was a time that, that this man, there's something in his soul that was crying out for more. And he had seen it in these men who were sharing. And I am longing for more of that to happen, for more of that to happen in our lives. And that was just what happened uh, as the, the more organized part of the night. There were conversations that were happening over dinner and the rest of the night with men down there. And it was a beautiful moment where the kingdom of God came crashing in to earth. God longs to do this. He longs to dwell with His people. He longs for so much more for us as His people. Like to walk with Him through life. Like what we're doing here in this space is not just doing a service so that we can feel good about ourselves. It's coming together to seek the face of God, to worship Him, to worship Him within His holiness and His greatness and say, Lord, what do you have for us? What do you want us to do? We are your kids. We want to be used for your glory and your glory alone. I believe 
that we often settle for far less than God desires for us. Psalm 25. Turn to Psalm 25. This verse, I shared it on uh, social media a, a week ago, but this verse really hit me as I was reading through the Psalms this month. Psalm 25, starting at verse 12. David says this, Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Verse 14, uh, David says this, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And that phrase, friendship, really stuck out to me. And in my Bible, in the ESV, there's a little footnote, and it says, the friendship or the secret counsel of the Lord. Other translations say this. Uh, the NIV says this. Next slide. Uh, the Lord confides in those who fear Him. The Lord confides in those who fear Him. The message Translation says it this way. Eugene says it this way. Next slide, Zane. God friendship is for God worshipers. They are the ones he confides in. My favorite translation was this next one. Next slide says this. Intimate fellowship with Yahweh is for those who fear him. And he makes known his covenant to them. God longs to be known. Like that phrase, friendship, friendship of God, the friendship of the Lord. Like, like wrap your mind around that. The friendship of the Lord, the secret counsel of the Lord. Like this picture is absolutely crazy. If you think about it, God who created the heavens, God who spoke and everything appeared, God who is all powerful, God who is all knowing, he longs to bring us, the picture that I have is he longs to bring us into his secret chambers and share like this is what's on my heart. He confides in us. Think about the Detroit Lions this afternoon. Think about if you knew the coach. Think about if, if before the game he says, hey, Kurt, come with me. Come with me into this room. I'm going to share with you exactly what we're going to do. I'm going to unveil my plan. Here is exactly what we're going to do. You would feel quite special. You'd be like, I know exactly their game plan. I know exactly what they're going to try to pull off. Confiding is, is also a friend who you're sitting across the table with having a cup of coffee and all of a sudden they look in your eyes and they say, I'm going to share something with you that I've never shared with anybody before. I trust you and here is my heart. Confiding is a picture of a marriage where uh, two, a husband and wife, know each other so deeply and so intimately that there are things that they know about each other that no one else on the face of the planet knows. This is that picture of confiding. This is the, the picture of friendship that the Lord is looking for. Do you get that picture in Psalm 25? The Lord is looking for friendship. Psalm Proverbs 3.32 says this, He offers His friendship to the godly. God offers His friendship. He wants to be known. Do we understand? Do we realize how much God wants to be known? How he wants us to know the inner workings 
of himself. Flip over to 1 Corinthians 2. This is especially true when it comes to us who are followers of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, a church that is uh, messed up in many ways, and he's talking about uh, Jesus and, and how he came to them just to proclaim Jesus, and he pro- came to proclaim Christ and Christ crucified, and he's talking about sharing this, this wisdom that, uh, that has been hidden for so long. And he shares out of Isaiah 64, and then he shares something quite interesting. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. Paul says this, But as it is written, and he's talking about Isaiah 64, he says, What no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. These things God revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. I mean, get that picture. No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. The spirit knows the inner workings of God. The the, the Holy Spirit that hovered over the deep, the same spirit that was there at the beginning of, of time that has always existed, knows the very heart of God. And then Paul says this, and this is absolutely profound. He says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. We have received the Spirit, the same Spirit that searches the very heart of God. We have received that same Spirit so that we can understand. We can understand who God is, what's on His heart, the things freely given to us from the Lord. That is the type of relationship that the Lord desires to have with us. The friendship of the Lord. This close, intimate relationship where the very heart of God, we know exactly what's on the heart of God because the spirit that searches the heart of God is the same spirit that is living inside of us. Is your desire in life, is the the desire that you have, the greatest desire that you have in life is to have that type of relationship with the Lord, to be a friend of of God. I look at Psalm 25 and I'm like, that's the relationship that I long to have. I want to be known as a friend of God. I want to be known as a person, as a man who the Lord confides in. Because I look at all throughout Scripture and I see person after person after person who had that relationship with the Lord. I've shared it before. Mosea, well, Mosea, Moses was known, that's a new character in the Bible, Moses was known as being a friend of God because he talked to him face to face. Jeremiah went into the the counsel of the Lord. Isaiah saw the Lord face to face. John, he got revelation because he saw Jesus face to face. Is this the kind of relationship that you long to have with the Lord? Do you long to be known as a friend of God? Because I believe that's what the Lord is longing for. He doesn't want to be distant and just unknown. He is close. He wants to be known. He wants to to reveal the secrets of his heart with us. He wants to confide in us. But there is a foundation of that relationship that so often I think we miss. Because what does that verse say? Go back to Psalm 25, verse 14. It says, the friendship 
of the Lord is for those who fear him. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. Friendship with God begins with fear of God. And that's not something that we talk about a whole lot of. But all throughout Scripture, the, the, the whole phrase, fear of the Lord, is seen over and over and over again. About 300 times, there is this, this phrase of the fear of God. Well, what is the fear of the Lord? What does that mean to fear God? We all have different fears. We all have different things that completely freak us out. In fact, actually, there was a, a, a poll that was taken or some research that was taken uh, where people looked at Google uh, searches and came up with the top fears in every state. And here's a picture of the top fears in every state. You see that. In Michigan, our number one fear based on Google searches is that we are afraid of spiders. Anybody afraid of spiders in here? Any fear of spiders? Okay, a couple of you. California, this cracked me up. Their greatest fear is social media. And then I also laughed at Alaska. They're afraid of people. That's why they're up in Alaska. There's no one around. And heights, that's why people live in, uh, in Hawaii. They're afraid of heights. There's not a whole lot of heights uh, over in Hawaii. But it's interesting to see what people are afraid of. Most often, people are afraid of public speaking. People are afraid of doing this more so than they are of dying. People would rather die than give a talk in front of a group of people. My greatest fear, you've heard me say this before, is the fear of snakes. I hate snakes. In fact, a while back when we lived out in Riesland, I would mow the grass, and as soon as I would see a little snake in the grass, I would throw the lawnmower, and I'd be like, I'm done, we're selling the house, I hate this place. I hate snakes. A couple years ago, my sister shared with me that they moved into a house that was actually built on top of a snake den. It was like actually in the backyard. And so every spring, as the snakes would come out in Idaho, they would come home from church and there would be snakes all over their front porch. They would be killing snakes in their house. They estimated that they killed over a hundred snakes in their house. I would have torched that house so quick. That thing would have been up in flames like so fast. Like I hate snakes. Like there's this fear. There's this terror. Like I am not going there. Like that often is what we think about when it comes to fear. But that's not what the Bible says the fear of the Lord is. It's not this awe, this terror, this being scared that we don't approach the Lord. Unless there should be a fear for those who don't know Jesus. Who haven't put their faith in Jesus. Because of judgment and condemnation that is coming for those who haven't put their faith in Jesus. But for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, there should be a fear of the Lord that is seen in this awe and reverence of God. That's what Scripture is talking about when it says the fear of the Lord. Zane, you can take that down because people are analyzing everybody's, every state's fears. But the fear of the Lord is... What's that? Barry comes like, you know, and makes a wise crack, and I like it. But the fear of the Lord is seen in Job after chapter after chapter after chapter of people trying to explain why Job is going through suffering. And God sits Job down and he says, I got some questions for you. Were you there when the mountains were formed? Do you see the storehouses of snow? That one always gets me. Like, God, there's, you have storehouses of snow? Like, why storehouses? Can you just have a little garage of snow? We don't need storehouses. But were you there when I created the animals? 
Like he puts Job in his place, and, and that is awe and reverence. That's fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is when Isaiah saw the Lord, and he fell on his feet, and he's like, I am undone, for I know the sin that I have. Fear of the Lord is when the disciples were in the boat and they're freaked out and they're terrified because the wind and the wave, waves are, are, are crashing the boat all around and they're freaked out even though they were fishermen and they had seen storm after storm after storm and Jesus was asleep in the boat. And they wake Jesus up and they say, don't you even care about us? We're going to drown. And Jesus speaks to the wind and the waves to be still and they're, and they're stilled. And then they look at Jesus and they say, who is this? Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? That's what fear is. Fear is this awe, this reverence of the Lord. Fear is realizing at the depths of our soul that we are not God. Fear is realizing that we are not the center of the universe. Fear is realizing that, that God and the Son are in the center and all around. It's what we sang this morning that there are angels and, and a multitude of people casting down their crowns at the feet of Jesus. That is the fear of the Lord in awe and reverence and saying, you are God and I am not. Fear of the Lord is realizing that you and I aren't in control. We're not in control of our lives. There is one who is greater that is in control. I remember realizing this for the first time. Being out in California, growing up in California on a Sunday morning before going to church, I was outside watering the bushes, and all of a sudden, the mountains started to rumble. And I saw leaves starting to shake. We were having like a six-point whatever earthquake. And at that time, I realized I am so small and insignificant like, I am so out of control as the mountains and everything was shaking. Fear is realizing that you are not the most powerful or you are not all-knowing. See, the fear of the Lord puts us in a proper place, really realizing that God is God. Like, when we're talking to God, it's like, whoa, you are God. You are holy. You are worthy. You are more powerful. You are all-knowing. But fear is also realizing in our hearts kind of this joy, like, I get to talk to God. Like, He is my Father. When it comes to your relationship with the Lord, we desire to have friendship with God. That's my greatest desire, to have friendship with God. But it begins with a fear of God. Do you have an awe and a reverence when it comes to the Lord? Or are you casual in your relationship with the Lord? Have you got into a place where you become casual with the Lord? I know in my life there have been times where I have become casual with the Lord, where I've approached Him in a way that is not representative of having a fear of God. And I have a concern when it comes to the church, I have a concern when it comes to our lives that we can be too casual when it comes to our approach to the Lord. That we don't possess this fear of God. See, all throughout Scripture, you see the normal reaction to people when they encounter the Lord was for them to fall on their feet, to kneel, to lay down their crowns before Him. You see that when people saw the Lord, they were like in terror. They were afraid. They're like, oh my goodness. Is that characteristic of our lives today? See, what wasn't normal or what was abnormal was just this casual approach to the Lord. Just this casual, hey, hey, what's going on? You don't see that in Scripture. 
You don't see that in here. Their people were filled with awe and wonder. And I get concerned when it comes to my heart, when it comes to other people's hearts, is that we have become casual, that, that we would be more in awe if a celebrity came into this room than the Creator came, if, they, if He came into this room. Like, we would be talking about, oh, did you, did you see who was at church this morning? And name whatever celebrity. We'd be like, oh, did you see that? Well, shouldn't that be our reaction? Our response when it comes to, like, we are gathered to meet with God. He is in this space. Shouldn't there be awe and reverence that fills our soul? Like, oh my goodness, He is here. I don't want us to be casual in our approach to the Lord. I want us to have a healthy fear of the Lord, to be in awe of who He is. Because if we don't have a fear of the Lord, I believe there are some dangerous things that happen. First of all, lack of fear can lead to sin in our life. A lack of fear of the Lord leads to sin in our life. Turn to Psalm 36, verses 1 through 3. Psalm 36. If we're casual with the Lord, we're going to be casual when it comes to sin. And that's not what's on the Lord's heart. David says this in Psalm 36. He said, transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. David is saying there's the wicked, the reason that they sin, the reason for their actions, the reason for their words are, their, their words are wicked is because they have no fear of God. In fact, they like flatter themselves so much. They look at themselves so much. They can't even see their sin or hate their sin. They frankly think that they're God. See, if we have a lack of fear of God, the lack of fear of God produces a doorway for destruction, for sin to enter into our lives. That's what Scripture is saying. If we are not in this awe and reverence of God, it opens a door for sin to creep in our lives. See, if we're casual with the Lord, we're going to be open to compromise. When it comes to the church today, when it comes to the messages that I hear, I hear a lot about identity in Christ. And we should be preaching about identity in Christ. We should be, be sharing that, you know what, our only hope is in Jesus, that we are loved and accepted in Christ, that He defines us. That is, that is exactly who we are. If we are in Christ, we're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. We are a child. We should share that over and over and over again. But I am concerned that there has been an overemphasizing of an identity in Christ that has led to being casual with sin. They're saying, I'm in Christ. I'm loved. I'm accepted. Yes, but oh, I can do whatever I want. And nowhere is that in Scripture. I mean, Paul even addressed this. People were saying, well, you know, why can't I sin? If I'm in Christ, I can still sin, you know, so that grace can abound. And Paul says, no, you have, you have been put to death and you have been united with Christ. Live a life of holiness. See, we have to take sin seriously because God takes it seriously because it has effects on our lives even as followers of Jesus. If we are casual with our approach to God, if we lack fear of the Lord, it's going to be a doorway of destruction. We're going to be open to compromise. 
lack of fear can lead to sin in our lives. Romans 3, if you look at that, I'm not going to ask you to look at that right now. There's a list of ways that the world has sinned. Ways that people have sinned. And Paul gets to the end of that list in Romans 3.18. And he says the reason that people sin, the reason that there's so much sin in the world, it's because they don't have a fear of God. Proverbs 16 says, By the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Another thing, another reason that the fear of the Lord is so important is because a lack of fear leads to a lack of intimacy with the Lord. If we don't have this awe and reverence with God, we're going to have a shallow relationship with the Lord. Psalm 33 even says this, that the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear Him. But I love this passage, and it's going to be up on the screen, Malachi 3, 16 through 17. Pat actually shared this uh, passage with me in, a, in an email towards the end of the week, and I'm like, wow, it just so fit to what the Lord had put on my heart. Malachi 3, 16, verse, uh, 3, 16 through 17 says this, and listen to this, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. You get that picture, like those who feared the Lord, they spoke with one another. And the Lord paid attention, and he heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my treasured, treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then one, once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked between one who serves God and one who does not serve Him. I love that. Look at verse 16 again. It says, The Lord paid attention to those who feared Him, and a book of remembrance was written before Him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed His name. That is mind-blowing. Here the Lord is like, He's listening to those who feared Him. But He's like also, Hey, write a book of those who feared me. Put them down in, in this book. I want to truly remember who they are. The Lord... He listens to those who fear him. He responds to those who are filled with awe and reverence. This was even how Jesus lived. We think Jesus, his prayers were obviously answered because of the relationship with his father. We think, oh, of course, you know, God did what, what Jesus was praying about because of the, because you know, it's his son. But Hebrews says this, Hebrews 5 says this, up on the screen. Go ahead and put it up there, Zang. Oh, wrong one. You got it? There he is. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. We know that Jesus did that. We're like, yes, he spent a lot of time with the Father, but then it says this, and he was heard. Jesus was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. If we have a lack of fear of God, a lack of awe, reverence of God, if we lack in that, we're going to have a shallow relationship with the Lord. We're going to lack intimacy with the Lord that leads actually to obedience because out of a fear of God comes obedience. Like, God, this is what you're telling me to do. This is what your word says. I am going to do it. If we don't have the fear of God, this awe of God, we're going to have a life that is characterized by disobedience over and over and over again. And I feel 
that if we, as followers of Jesus, live that way, then the world is going to see a church that is rather ineffective. See, in Acts 9, 31, it says this. It says that they, the church, they were walking in the fear of God and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And as a result, it multiplied. What would happen if there was a community of people that were so in awe of the Lord, so revered the Lord, so in love with the Lord that we're like, you are God, you are set apart, you are holy. All I want to do is live my life and I want to know you and I want to be obedient to the things that you asked me to do. I want to live my life on the altar. I want to live my life wholeheartedly for you. What would happen? What would happen if followers of Jesus did that? See, this morning, Restoration Church, I want us to take ourselves less seriously to get the mirror off of ourselves, to get this, this, this infatuation with ourselves, like to cast that away. We live in a world that is so taken by ourselves. There's so many selfies and so many pictures of ourselves and so many times when we're thinking about, like, what about us? What about us? You see on that map, so many times people said that they were afraid of people. I'm afraid of people. I'm afraid of what people think. What would happen? If we shifted that from being afraid of people to being afraid of the Lord, the only one that we want to please is God. I think we are so enamored with ourselves that we have become our own idol. And the Lord is saying, I'm offering friendship. I'm offering friendship with those who will fear me. Do you have an awe and a reverence for the Lord? This is how I want to wrap up this morning. I want to have Ben and the team get up and uh, you can do that, the last song that we were thinking, Ben, but also can you do the first song first just to play that a couple times? Do you revere the Lord? Are you in awe of the Lord? As we're singing these songs to wrap up our time together, do you live with a constant awe of who God is? And when we're singing, are, we, are you seeing, are you, are you keeping your eyes focused on God? Are you, who are you picturing that you're singing these to? Maybe you've allowed some casual, some, maybe you allowed your life, your relationship with the Lord to become casual. I just feel that the Holy Spirit is pricking our hearts and saying, stop being casual with me. Stop taking me less serious. Take yourself less serious and take me more serious. Root out the casualness that has crept into your souls. Because Hebrews 12 says this. Zane, I'm going to need you to throw that up there. You already did it once. You can do it a second time. Hebrews says this. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's good news. We have a kingdom that cannot be shaken, a kingdom that is firm, a kingdom that is established based on the Son of, Je Son of God, Jesus. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship. This is acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. There is acceptable worship. There is worship that the Lord is looking for. It's worship that is based is characterized by reverence and awe. And it's not just singing, it's a life, living a life of worship, a life filled with reverence and awe to who he is, to who he is. And so I want us to stand right now. 
And I want to ask that the Lord would fill us with a healthy fear of God. Father, would you do that? Father, would you give us just that gift of just having that fear of you, Lord? To be in awe, to be uh, just so blown away with who you are. Father, I pray against just ways that the enemy wants us to uh, become casual with you. Ways that complacency has entered into our hearts and to our souls. Ways that we've been even casual with sin because we've been casual with you. Father, I pray against all of that. I pray that we, again, would be filled with wonder and sense of awe of who you are. 